0: Welcome to Transformation Church Online. Come on, welcome with our live audience today as well. Come on, we got a small live audience in the house. Thank you guys for being in the house today. We are, we are back, in, a, in a, about 50 of us, and uh, we're going to have a live audience next week as well. And I'm just so thankful and grateful that you're tuning in to the Word of God today and what He's doing. I really believe that Jesus can do anything. He can change things today. And I believe that God's presence is in that worship. And so continue to open up your heart today. I want to share a couple things with you real quick. My name's Jamie. I'm the lead pastor. It's an honor to get to speak to you where you are in your, in your home right there or wherever you're listening from or watching from. And uh, we got a lot going on at church. And the big question that's been coming to us so much today lately is when are we going to be meeting again? And how many of you know, number one, the church never closed its doors. We never shut down. Come on, the church is, is us. And we've been reaching our community and reaching people across this this nation, really, I think five thousand people have been tuning in weekly to 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 see our church, and that's how I many you know more than we ever would have expected or dreamed in this facility. And so, man, that's that's so awesome. People have been giving their life to Christ every week, and we've been uh, reaching out to our community. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness as Transformation Church in this city. And um, I, the question is, when are we going to be meeting again together as a church? On Sundays and gathering and it's a great question I want to say three things real quick before I tell you the date that we're going to come back together Uh, number one when we do come back together everything's going to be clean everything's going to be sanitized we're buying big hydrostatic sprayers and we're spraying everything down before service and after service and wiping everything down in between we're going to practice reasonable distancing to the best of our ability our rows are spread out we're going to have kids ministry but we're going to have masks on the teachers will have Listen, they've got, they're not gonna have, well, I was talking with the staff the other day and we're not gonna have doctor's masks so the kids are scared they're gonna be getting shots in there, no, we're gonna have ministry and it's gonna be fun masks with things printed on it and the kids can maybe have some fun with it, you know. I, I don't know what they look like yet, but we're doing everything we can to make a friendly, fun, life-giving environment and uh, we don't want it to be weird or strange. And so number one, it's gonna be clean and we're gonna practice um, that, that safe distancing uh, the best we can. And then number two, let me say, say this, Listen, if you're not ready, that's fine. If you're not ready to meet back in person, please don't feel pressure. Don't, don't feel pushed by us or anyone. We love you. We actually are launching our online campus, so you'll have people that are interacting with you in the lobby digitally, and you can get online right there from your home in your pajamas or whatever you're gonna be wearing to watch our service, and you can feel comfortable right there at home until you're comfortable coming back to church with us on Sundays. And uh, I think it's important that you would know that. And then number three, there is no perfect time. We're, we are going to get praise for starting back, and we're going to get critique for starting back. Just know this, that we as your pastors and leaders, we've been praying about it daily. We've been talking to people all around the country. We've been doing surveys. We've been, we've been meeting with other churches. We've been doing everything we can do. We're actually going to be partnering with another church locally, City Hills Church, our kind of brother-sister church in this community. I don't know if... I don't know, we're, we're sibling church. <laughs> I don't know who's the brother, who's the sister, or whatever, but but our sibling church kind of in our community, we love them so much and uh, we're going to be partnering together and opening on the same day and so uh, there's no right time. I just would ask you to keep trusting your leaders, trust your pastors. Thank you for, for honoring us with trust. We, we don't take that lightly. We thank you for that trust. It's such a big thing, a big deal and so we're going to launch back the date. We're going to open back up. We're going to open back up with three services. Service times are a little bit different. We're going to Open with three services for one reason, because we're going to spread out. We can't cram everybody into one service. We can't. Everybody's not going to feel comfortable coming back, so we're going to do three services. We're going to do an 8.30 service, a 10 a.m. service, and an 11.30 service. 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Those will be our services from here on out as we open back up live. And uh, we will meet again on June 14th, somebody. Come on. The week before Father's Day. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so ready to be back together again. We got these 50 friends and family in here today, and I preached about 30 minutes before we even got started because I haven't talked to a live audience in, in a long time right here in the building, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be great. Uh, today, something I want to do, it's going to be a, a special next couple weeks. Um, we took a survey of our church, and we asked everybody what's impacted them or uh, affected them the most um, with this covid crisis and whether it's finances or health or family or whatever the number one thing 70 plus percent were mental health mental health and mental illness or mental health in in this season come on and uh several years ago we did a series called killing me softly talking about the the silent killer of depression and suicide and i don't think the church talks about it enough it's been taboo um, but I asked our team and staff to kind of cue that back up. It's gonna—it's a pre-recorded message from 2018. But I'm believing today, uh, really, for God to heal some areas of of suicide, depression, mental disease. I'm telling you, there's been a spirit of chaos that's been coming after us. There's been a spirit of confusion, a spirit of fear, a spirit of suicide and depression. It's been coming after our planet. Obviously, it's it's looking like a pandemic. But the spirit of evil wants to ride in on that thing, and so. So we want to share some tools and some resources with you today to really have some, something to, to, to grab a hold of, some handlebars to grab a hold of to, to conquer this thing. Today's going to be very spiritual, very, very strong in the spirit, very prophetic. And then next week will be very practical as we show the, the interview I had with a psychologist in that series. And So come on, open up your heart. I want to believe with you that God's really going to do something here and now in your life today as you check out Killing Me Softly. Listen, we're going into a new series today, and, and you can go ahead and grab your seats for a few moments, and hopefully I preach you happy and you stand to your feet and shout me down. Um, but as we go into this new series, it's kind of a, it's a heavy topic. It's uh, a series called Killing Me Softly, and um, I just want to give a little bit of a disclaimer going into this series. The series is around depression and um, around the effects and side effects of depression and what that can do and and here's here's why uh we began this series and why our staff and team began to think about doing this series and what it what it meant and I think many of you know that you know Kate Spade committed suicide several months ago it was in the news obviously she was famous and and everybody knew of her but there's a lot of other uh, people that fight and battle suicide and, and depression and um or battle suicide battle depression that leads to suicide and so I think it's a Something I felt that the church has been too silent about. Something I felt that there's been too much of a taboo uh, in the church to talk about. And so I don't think uh, that it's healthy that we we continue to hide. Come on, it's not healthy to hide. And so I want the the sole reason um, really for uh, this series is just to give us a safe place to heal and to fight. To, to uncover the mask of isolation. Satan's tactics are isolation and self-medication. And so we as the church, we're called to be the spiritual weapons against his tactics of isolation and self-medication. Any 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 WebMD people out there? Come on. I'm telling you what, I can go on WebMD with an eye twitch and leave with brain cancer. I mean, it's not. It's not good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got it. It's like my eye was twitching, and yeah, I've got, it's gone. The carcinoma's gone to my brain. It's all, whatever. It's not good. Mike, Mike thinks I'm scared of everything. Um, the, the problem is we are not good at seeing our own problems and our own needs. And we're not good at self-diagnosing. And we're not good at doing that. Especially when we're isolated. And so I I, want to say this. No one should suffer or celebrate alone. No one should suffer in silence. And so what's happened in the church around depression is we've been too silent. So we're going to deal with that. I did a funeral on Monday for a young man that took his life suddenly, 29 years old. I don't think it was a coincidence that I did that funeral it was a surprise because I wasn't their pastor. They had known them, they had been their pastor previously, but, but uh, the young man who took his life suddenly, his mother called me and said, could you do the funeral? Very tough. And so on Monday and Tuesday, I tread the holy ground, the, 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 the ground of pain and, and misunderstanding and silence of suicide on that, on that Monday and Tuesday. And I don't think that it was a coincidence that now I had to tread there before I came in here and treaded on this topic with you, And uh, so as we, as we look at this, I just, I just want you to know there's hope. There's, there's a safe place that there's an open conversation that, that I'm going to preach to you today from the book of Kings about Elijah, but I'm going to give you some practicals as well. Here's some thoughts around suicide. One young mom said this around depression. One, one young mother said this. She said, it's a world of paradoxes, feeling empty, but full of every emotion, always tired, but never sleeping. Wanting to be loved and accepted, but unable to fully love and accept properly. A loss of identity, no longer knowing who I am. Lost in a sea of confusion. It's like looking in a mirror and seeing no reflection. Feeling like you've lost your existence. That's hard to even fathom if you've never dealt with anything like this. It's hard to understand and it's hard to realize how the enemy can twist Truth and make us believe certain things, and 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 the fights that people face. And so, I I just want us to be real about it. Here's some progressions of depression, and I want to say this to you: we're spirit, soul, and body as human beings. And so, if you neglect any of those areas, there's going to be pain. Um, But also, I I need you to know that, like you know, psyche is the soul. So we are a we are a, a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body, and so. So, the soul or psychology or psyche or psychoanalyzing is, is digging into the soul to find traumas and pains and hurts that might be feeding certain depressions in your life. But when that doesn't work, there are avenues of medication. I want you to hear it's okay to use science and doctors and healing in and, and that way, right? God has grace in that too. Come on, the church has been so weird and taboo about that kind of stuff. Let, let me say you wouldn't have diabetes and say, oh, just throw your insulin away, I'll <laughs> oh, just get healed no you would deal with it and you would i'm not saying that's the only resort the only the only way to go but 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 there are many avenues god uses to heal are y'all with me in that and so the progression of this and these are usually things that progress in your life it's this one emptiness rather than a sadness just a numbness emotionally feeling rarely feelings are rarely expressed a loss of energy energy to feel or express emotions or appreciate life the sounds of life, and energy to plan the future, no energy to even make decisions. Please, no more decisions. Three, sulking or self-pity. Can't laugh at yourself. Can't escape the grip of self-pity. Always the victim, always woe is me. Gradually giving up, stage four, just gradually giving up. Can't take responsibility for anything. Can't take responsibility for actions or, 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 or self or anything like that. And in the last stage, just everything's discolored. Your entire outlook is just dark and negative. adults in America have dealt with depression, a major uh, bout of depression in a given year. 16.2 million. 16.2 million. Increasingly, it is not a mental health issue. It's a public health issue. That's why I want to share and talk about what's going on in our culture, like to see the epidemic. It's it's a public health issue. 45,000 suicides occurred in in the United States in 2016. That's more than twice the homicide number. That's scary. Making it the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Between the ages of 15 and 34, it's the second leading cause of death from 15 to 34, the second leading cause. So it's not just a mental health thing. It's a, it's a public health thing. It's like people don't know how to handle stress or deal with stress or people are isolated. and The enemy has got them isolated and brought darkness in their life. And the whole point of church, the whole point of this is not about me or, or, or music or the building or all that. It's about having a people where we can be real and open and honest and take off the dang masks. Listen to this. There are more active, active duty soldiers that die from suicide right now than combat. Five a month die from combat. 22 a day die from suicide. <laughs> I talked to a guy who was in the National Guard yesterday at a wedding, and I said, what's up? He said, I've lost three friends. I talked to Pastor Drew in the military. He said, they're our family. I've lost four family members to suicide. And the guy in the military yesterday told me the reason is because they don't have any real community where they've got friends but it's all a cover-up of strength and there's no real community where they can really share their demons and their struggles. And that's the point of this, that we could really be real and share the struggles that we walk in. The number one cause of suicide is untreated depression. Here's a thought, depression steals reality, which is in large measure defined by the completely justifiable hope in tomorrow's possibilities. And it replaces it with a world in which one doubts his or her abilities, discounts to zero, his or her past successes, doubts love, doubts friendships, and doubts God losing a hope for tomorrow. So many examples of it. We've ignored it from the pulpits, but there's so many examples of it in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon despairs of life. He found no meaning in his work. Meaningless, meaningless. Life is meaningless. Joshua is dismayed before he goes and does what God's called him to do. First Samuel twenty-eight fifteen. King Saul is in distress talking to a witch because God had quit answering him because he had been in sin. David was downcast all through the Psalms. Moses wanted to die. He said, God, I got two million people. I can't handle the burden. Just kill me. Moses, we, we read through that so fast, like it's just this little Bible story. Moses is like, no, really, God, kill me, God. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer every prayer of yours? <laughs> I mean, anybody had one of those days, like, I can't handle these two kids, like two million, two kids. It's like, I can't handle it. Moses is like, I can't handle it. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Jonah wanted to die. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. I just need to die. Job, obviously, said it would be better that I wasn't even born. Hannah had sorrow in her soul because she couldn't have a child. Paul said, I despaired of life. I can't even measure the pressures on me. I don't even want to live. Our Savior, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, said we know he was going to a cross and was born to die. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't speak about his physical body. He spoke about his soul. And he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. I'm highly depressed. My soul can't take it. Never seen that before. Your own savior, if he can face that type of soul anguish, you don't think we will. He carried that for us so we didn't have to carry the full load of it. Samson committed suicide? Like what? I know people used to say, "Well, suicide's the fastest way to hell." That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Any, anybody that, well, it's murder. Listen to me. The number one instinct of a human being is self preservation. If that is broken, there's no way they can think to the level of being held to that standard. And God's going to judge someone that was in that level of pain. There's no way. The only reason we don't go to heaven is because we don't know Jesus. That's it. That's it. And biblically, you're like, well, I challenge that biblically. Samson committed suicide, pulled down two pillars, killed himself and a 100 some Philistines in his last act. And the last I read the Bible, he's in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at the apostle or, the, or King Saul several several weeks from now. King Saul fell on his own sword and committed suicide. We're going to look at spiritual suicide in several weeks and just how we fall on our own swords sometimes. But King Saul did that. All through the scriptures, there's... These moments that are, are, are seen but not talked about by, by us. And I think we've got to be real. It says this in the, the book of Kings. It begins to talk about Elijah. We're going to look at his life today. Elijah is this great man of God, probably the mightiest man of God on the planet. He'd prayed, heaven had shut, and it hadn't rained for three years. He prayed again, heaven opened up. He called fire from heaven. He killed 450 prophets. Y'all know the stories of Elijah. Elijah was the greatest man, caught bears out of the woods to eat the little kids that were making fun of his bald head. Come on, that was weird it's a weird day. I don't know. It's, thank God for grace in the New Testament, you know. If you go to any churches where they're calling down curses on you, don't go there, you know what I'm saying? This is a kingdom of grace. Um, and so Elijah lives his life, and the apostle James, the half-brother of Jesus in the book of James, says something that's awkward about Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. I'm like, really? Like, he called fire from heaven, and and, and, and did miracles after miracles. He was the mightiest man of God on the planet and he was just like us? Yes, because we find him wanting to die under a broom tree after a great victory what the, the Apostle James is saying to us is this, that this spiritual journey has ups and downs and different experiences and it's okay. And that Elijah had the same the same tension that we have, that we have partaken of divinity in Jesus Christ but we still walk in humanity and there's a tension between partaking of divinity and walking in humanity. And we have to navigate that tension. Peter says through the promises of God we partake of of divinity but we still suffer with the levels of humanity that we were created in it doesn't make sense and so we've got to look at that wrestling battle and elijah there's this battle that's taking place we're going to look at first kings 19 1 through 9 before this verse or this chapter chapter 18 took place which was a mighty revival the prophets of baal which were devil worshipers were coming against god's children 450 of them had gathered. Elijah calls a meeting, says, get them all together. I want to challenge all of them. They all come together at Mount Carmel. Elijah, he, Elijah's this trash talker, man. I love Elijah. It's like he's trash talking these, these devil worshipers. And they come together and he says, listen, you make a fire or you make a sacrifice. I'll put a sacrifice on the altar and we'll pray. And whoever's God answers by fire, that's God. And and so Elijah, they do it and they're, they're chanting and singing and they're not, nothing's happening. And Elijah starts talking trash to him. He's like, what's up? Where's your God? what's well, so, up one, one, one time he says what's up is he taking a dump that's what he says it's re- that's the Bible <laughs> he, that's, that's the Bible like, he says is he on the toilet that's what he says <laughs> that's great like, he's trash talking them and then they're like oh, and they're cutting themselves slashing themselves you ever seen Ramadan You ever seen Islam when they marched the streets during that, cutting themselves and slashing themselves, trying to appease God through blood? It's real. You can watch it online. You can see it. And these guys are cutting and slashing themselves. And and Elijah says, okay, and he calls on God and fire (laughs) comes out of heaven licks up all the water and lights it on fire massive revival takes off all the israelites start chanting there's no god but god they capture 450 prophets for elijah they take them to a valley and elijah cuts all their heads off that day come on that's a day at work you think you've had a tough day at work they join in and kill all of them and then we come into verse 1 in chapter 19 and ahab he was the wicked king of Israel, told Jezebel, the wicked queen of Israel, all that Elijah had done and how he'd executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more so. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, I'm going to cut your head off by tomorrow, Elijah. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And, when Be- and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and there left his servant. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came out and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, enough is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. I buy into my generational curses then as he lay and slept under a broom tree suddenly an angel touched him and said to him arise and eat then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water so he ate and drank and then lay down again and the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said arise and eat because the journey is too tough for you so he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of the food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb the mountain of God and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place and behold the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him what are you doing here elijah what are you doing here elijah the title for today is the perspective battle the perspective battle let me pray with you father thank you that you've given us jesus thank you that you've given us light thank you that your word says that light came into the world and the darkness could not comprehend it could not overtake it could not conquer it jesus we thank you for light today lord shed light into the areas of our soul and our heart that might have been covered that might be silent that might be suffering um, where we've been too scared to speak up lord shed light heal do only what you can do holy spirit we thank you jesus for the power of the holy spirit in jesus name amen, amen. Uh, the perspective battle my son is on an eighth grade football team at a school uh, here in town and they just began the football program. Uh, they stopped the, the high school program. And they began to rebuild and revamp the program with the middle school. So it's 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. My son's in 8th grade. He's a great football player and uh, plays on the line two ways. We have 17 players on the team. Come on, they all play both ways. In Jesus' name, they would stay whole. Uh, the other team had more cheerleaders than we had players, okay? And so... Uh, <laughs> if anybody if anybody's in middle school and wants a scholarship to a Christian school, they are offering full scholarships to the Christian school, so Concord Christian, if you can play football and your kid can play football, there's a scholarship for you okay uh, that's a plug that's a shameless plug for the team um, but uh so they went out, first game Thursday night, and uh, got, you know, first play kicked off. We're hanging in there. My son was going against the guy that was about 5'11", 230 pounds, and uh, my son's right here on the front row. This kid was a beast. I mean, he should play for UT. I don't know. He's in eighth grade, and, he, and, and so my son's going against him. The pain. I could hear, I could hear, my son's beating him sometimes, but I could hear when this kid got my son. I could hear the thud of my son's body from the stands onto the ground. The pain that took place, and I was in pain for them. The team was in pain. We started off kind of strong, made one stop, and then the game ended up forty-four to six. Come on, somebody. We got shellacked. It was it was a it was rough. But we scored six points in the fourth quarter. We didn't take a total beating. There wasn't a big zero on the scoreboard. We're like, I'm like, yes, we scored six, but it was painful. In the back of my mind, I'm like, there is no purpose for this team the rest of the year. It is over. <laughs> It is going to take forever to get this team to what it needs to be. I walk up, the coach is coming out, and as he walks out, I look at him, and I just wanted to say something with good perspective to a coach that had just got shellacked, you know. And so I just said, um, hey, we put six up. <laughs> you know, we got six, coach. At least it wasn't a, a, you know, a total shutout and uh, he looked at me and he took it to another level with his perspective and it blew me away he said he said yeah yeah and you know what two missed catches in that first quarter two passes that we dropped two bad calls from the referee and we are in this thing it's a total different game I'm like I don't believe that but I I think I do now after you said that yes all right a few missed passes and we could have tied them 44 to 44 I'm in it, and like there was this moment where I'd lost all purpose for the team because of the pain that we were in. But his perspective began to show me purpose again for the team and the season, even after game one. Here's what you need to know: the battle to go from pain to purpose is the gap in between, and it's called the perspective battle. For you to get from pain to purpose, it's your perspective. It's It's the perspective battle, and Elijah is fighting this perspective battle. We see him having this battle in his heart. He just defeats 450 to 1. The odds are against him. He has a great victory. All this stuff happens. Revival breaks out, and then King Ahab tells Jezebel, a wicked queen, one little lady, all that Elijah did. And she says to Elijah in verse 2, she sends a messenger and says, Tomorrow I'm going to chop your head off by this time. You're dead tomorrow. She sends a messenger, the messenger shows up. The enemy, hear me, will always send a messenger to you to get you with a message so he doesn't have to fight you himself. If the enemy can stop you with a message, he doesn't even have to fight you with anything else. So he'll send a message to you and I, you'll never measure up. You're not good enough. You'll fail just like your father's. You'll die before you're 50 because your father died before he was 50. You'll always have breast cancer because it was in your family. It was in your grandmother and your mother. You'll keep losing because that's what you do. You're not good enough. you got to keep hiding it. You can't tell anybody. They'll judge you. Nobody likes you. You can't be real. you got to stay silent. And he throws messages after messages after messages at us to get us to stop and buy in and believe it. That's why it's so important to know the word of God and to get the message of God's word. You've got it. I'm going to talk about it next week and give some real practicals on on how we have to pull down what the enemy says. But but we get these these images and and these things that try to exalt themselves against. The Bible says it exalts himself against the knowledge of Christ. Knowledge, what we know about God. The enemy's always trying to send a message to, 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 to change or to trick what we know about God. You know about God. You know who he is, but, but these messages come to get us doubting and get us on the run. Verse 3, it's an amazing verse. It says this, and when he saw that, the messenger comes with a message. You're going to be dead by this time tomorrow. And when he saw that, and when he saw that, and when he saw that, he arose and ran and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. How do you see a verbal threat? I'm reading the passage. I said, whoa, 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 God, whoa, 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 God, wait a minute. What do you mean he? when he saw that? What do you mean when Elijah saw that? It says that she sent a messenger to tell him you're going to be dead, but he saw that. The enemy will send a message to you to get you to see it. He perceived it. He began to run it in his imagination and to run it in his mind. It wasn't real as he saw it, as he perceived it. His perception began to change as he perceived it. And now once perception sets in, it becomes reality. So the enemy sends this message to you to get you to perceive it so that you'll begin to see it so that once you perceive it, now you believe it and you begin to run. And what happens is that reality that's formed from the enemy's message makes you run from things that God has given you power to stand against. You're never called to run from stuff. Let me ask you a question. What threat are you running from that you should be standing against right now? I just asked myself, that what threat are you... Are you running from that God has said, listen, that's just a threat. She just threatens him. Come on, we can all be running from a threat. You can be running scared. You can be winning scared. You know that my successes sometimes scare me more than my failures. My failures have driven me. My successes make me nervous. We can be parenting scared. We can be succeeding scared. We can be living scared. Because all of our pressure comes from our perspective. And so God here... Is giving him power to stand, and he's running. I was hit by a threat a couple months ago. It was interesting. I, you've heard me probably tell this sometimes. About several years ago, I don't know, five years ago, a couple of real close couples to me uh, in our church asked me to dinner and then left the church at, at dinner. I would tell people, "Listen, if you want to leave the church, just just call my office." <laughs> You know, or, or don't don't pretend to be my friend and then leave my family. You know what I'm saying? I, it's, I mean, I, I understand that people can go where they want. We don't hold people or anything like that. We keep it real, open hand. God puts people where they need to be in church, but like we're friends. You know what I'm saying? Like talk to me. It's a, we have a relationship, but so they just kind of shanghaied me with this dinner, and we show up, and they're like, "We're leaving. God's called us somewhere else." I'm like, "Bro, I've prayed for your family. I have prayed for your kids. I've invested five years of my life in you. I've loved you. We've given, we've done this and that. We've been through thick and thin, and you just gonna come up and act like a friendly dinner to leave the family?" Woo. All right. But the enemy put a threat into my mind with it. And so several months ago, it was our 10 year anniversary being pastors here in Knoxville. And so some great friends of ours in the church decided to throw a nice dinner for us and surprise us at Fleming's. Come on, somebody. That's a surprise. I'll take a filet for a surprise any day. And if you do want to leave the church, take me to Fleming's. I can get over that. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so 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 we're going We and, and and I get invited and so this couple that we're really close with comes up to me in a real serious tone and says hey we want to really take you all to dinner and, and we want we want, to, we want to have dinner with you guys and you and your wife and I can feel like I'm like this is awkward like I could sense something was being hidden you know what I mean because it was a party they were planning but I didn't know it so like they're like we want to go and I'm like this is weird like and so we go to Fleming's I show up with my wife I'm like what I don't know what's going on and why are we going to this and are they going to leave the church I don't know if they're, they've been here and they didn't tell me like I don't know and then my i walk into this party worried then i open the door and everybody's surprised and i'm like whoa like wow okay like all right like but what i should have been wowed over i'm worried over because i've got a threat in my mind and what i want to tell you is this like when you carry a threat you're always worried instead of god wowing you and god wants to wow you man and give you some things and you can't Carry these threats in your mind. Don't be running scared. Elijah's running scared. Elijah, look, he he runs, and look at the progression of fear and depression in his life. Watch this. He runs, and then he leaves his servant. I'm going to give you some preaching and some practicals today. Can I do that? Can I preach and give you practical today? He runs. He leaves his servant in Beersheba, and he's all alone. You need to write this down. For depression to be effective, it has to get you alone. For depression to be effective, it's got to get you by yourself. Depression will always isolate you. The Bible says this, that it's not good to be alone. God created mankind. He said it's not good for mankind to be alone, alone, A-L-O-N-E, all one. It's not good for man to be all one. And you say, well, I'm not all one. I got family. I got friends. I don't think all one or being alone is, is having people around you. I think being alone is having people around you that you can't be real with. I think being alone is 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 suffering in silence because there's hundreds of people around you and in a church or in a home or in a business, but you can't open up and tell them the reality of what's going on. If you're suffering in silence, you're still alone. And some of you have so many people that love you and a church that loves you and there's resources and there's people, but you're suffering silently because the enemy has tricked you into thinking that you can't tell anybody because it's too taboo. And it's usually worse for Christians because we think we're letting God down if we have depression in our life or we're, we're, we're letting each other down somehow. We've always got it. We've been lied to. It's because it's of the song. I got joy, joy, joy. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. But then the scripture says, David, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Why are you so downcast within me there's David well David don't you have joy 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 how did we how did we just get brainwashed into thinking that that's the only emotion in the kingdom and that we can't ever go up and down and so we're thinking like man now I'm guilt feel guilty and now I've got more depression for being depressed and I don't know what to do and I'm suffering alone and silently and God never intended for you and I to live that way The problem is we've bought into the lie that we come to Jesus and he takes all of our pain away. That is not what happens. We come to Jesus and he walks with us through all of our pain. It's a process. It's a process. Do you remember when Jesus came to those 10 lepers and healed them? What does the Bible say? He said, you're healed. Go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says that they were healed as they went that as they went, there's a going and there's a process and there's a progression of healing. We think, oh, instantly, joy, joy, joy. I'm going to stick on that today. (laughs) Sound pretty good, don't I, Emery? (laughs) Everybody's like, no, please, God, you don't. Okay, that's why you need family and friends around you to tell you the honest truth. (laughs) I lost my place. (laughs) We've been lied to. We think that that's the the emotion, that Jesus takes all of the pain and takes us right into praise. And there was a progression. There's a progress. There's a process of getting healed, right? Jesus says to these men, go and show yourself. Go and show yourself. Look at somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm on the way. I'm on the way. Healing happens on the way. Sometimes my wife will ask me, where are you? And I'll say, I'm on the way. And she'll say, uh, and what does that, mean necessarily does that are you in the car and i'm on the way and she'll say uh uh, uh, okay, because she knows there's different levels of my on the way. She knows I could just have my hand on my keys and be thinking about leaving, but I ain't gone anywhere yet. She she knows that I could be sitting in a meeting. I haven't stood up. I'm thinking that i got 12 minutes left to get out of this meeting, and I'm still, but I'm not. Where are you? I'm on the way. She knows that I could be running late and know I'm running late, and I'm calculating I go 95 miles an hour and get through two stoplights and make it home with enough time to get to where we need to go. I'm on the way. She knows there's different. I could be in the car. She could hear the ding of the seatbelt not being buckled in. I could be driving. I could have started the car, but maybe not. She knows there's levels of I'm on the way. She'll say, where are you? And I always say, I'm on the way. (laughs) And reluctantly, she says, okay. (laughs) She says, okay. I'm here to tell you there's different levels of on the way. And it's okay to be on the way. As long as you're on the way and you got your hand on your keys and you got your mind in motion and you're not in park and you're not staying still, you're on the way. It's all right to be on the way. Well, why are you still so down? Because I'm on the way. Why aren't you healed yet? Because I'm on the way. Why are you still acting like that? You've been a Christian for 15 years. Why are you still depressed? I'm on the way. I'm on the way. Why are you still dealing with that same sin? I'm on the way. I'm on the way. We're all on the way. I want to encourage you, man, don't isolate because you're on the way. Don't, don't hide yourself because you're on the way. Elijah isolates himself and he goes into deeper depression. Verse 4, he says this. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and requested to die. He's like, I just want to die. He's like, I, I'm just, I'm praying and Jezebel threatened me and my life is over and I'm no better than my fathers. What he's saying is I bought into the generational curses of my family and I believe the line. He's going deeper depression. My life is hopeless. I'm going to fail like my father's failed and just kill me because it's the same as all my family and I'm pointless and, and, I'm, and just, I just, I'm just depressed. His life wasn't that bad. He had just conquered 450 prophets of Baal, won the major spiritual battle in the entire world, had fire from heaven. God showed up on his side, and now he's depressed, and he's running from this little lady, and he's just like, I'm scared. I'm going to die. He went one day's journey into the wilderness and said, I'm going to die. Listen to me. Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. I'll have your head. He marches one day into the wilderness and is still alive. He's still running from a threat that is over. The day's over. Her threat's expired. She said, I'll kill you by this time tomorrow. He's made it through the threat. He's so depressed that his vision and focus is on the threat and not on the breakthrough that God brought him through. When you you get depressed... And you get down, you get so focused on the enemy's threats, you can't see God's breakthroughs. And you begin to wonder, like, okay, God, did you do anything? And, and I don't know, and I want to die because I don't see any breakthroughs. Of course, if you never see God's breakthroughs, you're going to be hopeless. And so here he is, hopeless. The clock could run out on the threat. There's threats that you're running from that are over. And I'm here to tell you today, whatever you're dealing with, God has kept you through the threat. You've made it this far. You're here this morning. You're still breathing. There's purpose in your life. I, told, I said to first service, as I was praying in my office this morning, I said, God, I did a funeral on Monday. God, just save one today. Just help one. And one girl came after first service and said, I got a word from God for you. Not one, but three. So I don't know who's dealing with this. But the reality is God is speaking into the hearts of people. This is a real issue And it grieves my heart to know that there's help and there's family and there's people and that you could only see the enemy's threats but not God's breakthrough. Man, he's brought you this far. I'm here to encourage you. There's purpose on your life. The Bible says that Elijah falls asleep under this juniper tree or a broom tree and he falls into this depression. Here's here's a reason for his depression. Very simply, he was tired. He was exhausted. Here's the practical. Like isolation and exhaustion. And some of you are depressed cuz you're tired. Like physically, he was worn out. We're three-part beings, spirit, soul and body. If you never take care of your body, you're going to get depressed. You're going to get run down. If your diet and your exercise and your you're connected. You can't think that your body doesn't affect your soul and your spirit and all. You can't you can't walk that way. You're going to end up feeling like, man, I I know when I'm not exercising, I'm not saying that's the answer to everything, but when I'm not, I'm down a little bit. Like when I'm getting those 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 endorphins moving and exercising and I'm, and I'm resting, some of you just need rest. I'm just practical right now. Some of you just need rest. Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. I mean, sometimes fatigue just... Just kills us, and here he is. He's he's hungry. He's not sleeping. The angel says, "Wake up, Elijah! Wake up! Eat something!" And then this angel's cooking food from heaven on this little on this making a cake from heaven for Elijah, and he's running from this little teeny lady. Do you know when you get tired, you run from little things and get depressed over stuff you could have destroyed? Just being tired makes you run from little stuff. He just defeated the the, the worst enemy in the world, and now he's running from this little. This little lady, he just beat 450. Tired of him makes you just get depressed and kind of want to give up. The angel shows up. He feeds him some food. He wants to die. His life isn't that bad. I love, I love how the angel, you know, the angel is the Jesus that shows up here. The Bible says it's the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus' incarnation in the Old Testament. It's called a theophany. Jesus shows up and feeds him some food. Cooks a cake. Cooks him a birthday cake. Angel food cake on the coals of life. I want to die. The angel's like, all right, all right, all right. Listen, I know your pain. I know what you're going through. I know your money. I know your kids. I know the rebellion. I know the hurt. I know the offense. I know the betrayal. I know the rent. I know the pain. I know enough is enough. I know, but an angel's showing up in the morning. Come on, somebody. Wait on your angel." Wait on your angel. Do not die. Do not give up. Do not quit. Do not doubt. Do not walk away from Christ. Do not walk away from your faith. Do not walk away from your friends. An angel is on the way. An angel shows up and feeds him and makes this cake for him. Then the angel, he goes back to sleep and the angel wakes him up again and says, come on, you got to eat again. Listen to this. He says, you got to eat again. The journey is too tough for you. That's what the angel says the second time. Here's what you need to write down. When dealing with depression, allow yourself the luxury of honesty. Allow yourself the luxury of being real and being honest. The angel says it. This journey is too tough for you. you got to eat something new. A second time, you got to eat something new. The food that got you here won't get you whole. And what you've been feeding on, if you're dealing with certain things in your life, it won't get you to the place God wants you to go to. There's a new battle ahead. God says you need to eat again. You need to feed your soul again. There's a battle coming. You have to get healed from your history in order to have strength for your destiny. And I want to heal you. And God shows up and bakes this cake for him. I'm just here to encourage you. Like Jesus will bake a birthday cake for you on the hottest coals of life when you're facing a time when enough is enough. Like I just can't take it anymore. Here he is. He shows up and says, "Okay, I'm going to take you into a new battle." Do you, Do you know? And I want to just encourage you with this. You know that the reward for winning a battle in the kingdom is another battle. <laughs> Mike and I talk about it a lot. Mike, you know what? What, what do we say? The reward for work in the kingdom. Uh, uh, the The reward for good work. <laughs> the reward for bad work is you lose it all. <laughs> the reward for good work is more work. Right? In the kingdom. And so here, here's what I want to say to you. Like, like as you've beat this battle, God wants to strengthen you for the next battle. He says to Elijah, you're not strong enough. I want to say to you this, you need honesty. I can't do this on my own. I need people around me. It's a new day. I'm going to trust God, but I'm not going to try to do it in my own strength. Elijah eats the food and look at this. He goes 40 days and 40 nights supernaturally on that one meal and ends up at Mount Horeb in a cave. Here's where his depression has really skewed his perspective. He's in this cave and it says, and there he went into a cave in verse 9 and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God just wants us to be self-aware. It's not about God needing to know where we are. He knows. He knows everything. He is asking for self-awareness and honesty. Verse 10, here's Elijah's answer. So he said, I've been very zealous for you, Lord of hosts. And the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants and have had a tough day at work, and no one loves you, and they've torn down your altars and killed all your prophets with the sword, and I am alone and left, and they seek to kill me too. They want my life, and I go to church every week, and I even raised my hands in that third song today, and they still don't like me at work, and it wasn't good this week. Everything he said was lo- a lie, nothing was accurate. He said, I've been zealous for you and Israel's torn down your altars and your, your covenants and they want to kill me and they don't serve God. That's not what just happened. What just happened was revival. What just happened was fire from heaven. What just happened was all those prophets and all those people in Israel that he said were against God actually said, there is no God but God. And there was revival and they were chanting God and they captured those other prophets and helped Elijah kill them and got involved in the mission and Elijah can't see any of it because his perspective is so off can't see what God's doing here's the thing and he goes into self-pity the wrong perspective you got to write this down the wrong perspective will always perpetuate self-pity if you deal with self-pity you need to check your perspective you need to get some people around you and let them speak into your perspective and there's this self-pity taking place and God heals him from this self-pity by speaking some things to him verse 11 then God said God begins to speak and he says go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to Elijah a second time and said, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" Elijah says the same thing. He says, they've torn down the altars. Uh, I alone serve you. I'm left by myself. No one loves you, God. He's still in self-pity. And God is speaking in this still small voice to him. He tells him eventually, okay, go. Anoint this person and this person and this person and go find your replacement, Elisha. And gives him a purpose and a mission. But what I want you to see is this, that in the middle of that perspective of self-pity and harm and depression and in that cave, He's run 40 days and 40 nights on supernatural food. He showed up to a Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. That mountain of God is the same mountain that Mount Sinai is, it's called Mount Sinai. It's the same place that Moses, when he was meeting with God, Climbed to the top of uh, top of Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. Moses was on the top of the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. This is an analogy and a, a, a parallel with Moses and his relationship with God. Now Elijah has gone 40 days and 40 nights without food. He's on the top of this mountain. He's in a cave. Moses was with God's people. God showed up and said, I want to know all of you. I want to talk to you with thunder and earthquake and fire on the mountain. You remember that? The same mountain, thunder and earthquake and fire. All the people get freaked out and go, God, we're too scared. We're under judgment. That Judgment, you're too great, you're too big. We can't talk to you, Moses. Go up on the mountain and talk to God for us. We're too scared of the fire and the earthquake and the wind, which is God's judgment. We can't handle it. Go on up. Moses goes on up, comes to a place, meets with God face to face, not God the Father, because no one can see him and live. It was Jesus. Moses says, God, show me your glory. And God says, You can't see it face to face, but I'll hide you in the cleft of my rock, which was the cave that Elijah was hiding in at the same time. I'll hide you in Jesus, and I will go by you. And I I'll show you my glory, which is my grace, not to consume you when I see you face to face. They see the glory of God. Moses sees it and he's hidden in grace. God's grace is, God's glory is his grace. Hear me, hear me. The grace was the still small voice. The face to face communication. Elijah, where are you? Elijah, how are you doing? It wasn't fire or wind or earthquake because there's no judgment in the cave you're in. There's no judgment in the depression you're in. There's no anger from God in what you're facing. There's a still small voice of relationship going, going, I love you. Where are you? Are you okay? Where are you? Where are you? The grace of God. Hear me. Jesus will always whisper grace into what you think is your worst grave. Whatever cave or grave you find yourself in, there's a whisper of grace today. Both times God speaks to Elijah, he starts the sentence with go, go out, go, go out, go. Sometimes the greatest grace we need is to go again, to get out of the cave again, to get up again, to believe again, to pray again, to hope again, to love again, to see again, to talk again, to be real again. That's the grace we need sometimes. i'm praying for for grace across your life today to go again or get out of any cave or grave you might be facing and when god speaks to him he says go and elijah obeys and goes and he anoints everybody and then goes and finds elisha listen to this elisha's name means god saves god saves God gives him purpose. God gives Elijah purpose in his pain. God will use every threat that you've been through. He'll use every bit of your pain and still point you to purpose. He says this today. Your deadly perspective has not disqualified you from your purpose. Your deadly perspective has not destroyed your purpose. Go, Elijah. Go, Elijah. Go, Elijah. Go, Elijah. Get out of the grave, Elijah. Keep going. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. My prayer is for every runner today that you would rest. My prayer is that depression and panic and anxiety and suicide would be driven out from your mind. Cutting would be taken from your soul. It wouldn't be a part of you. You don't die. You don't want to die. You were created to live and not die. You were created with purpose, fearfully and wonderfully made in God, in the image of God. the threat, it's a battle for perspective the threat from Jezebel drove him into purpose, the pain he faced drove him into salvation God will use the abuse he will use the molestation, he will use the anger, he will use the hatred, he will use the the brokenness, he will use the depression, he will use the suicidal thoughts to drive you into a place of salvation and freedom and grace and knowing how loving a father is that could whisper to us when everyone else is given earthquakes and judgment and fire and storm. I want to worship. we got a few minutes left today. I pray for you today that we would have peace and we, our, our perspective would be healed. I just want to pray with you right now as you've heard that word and opened your heart up to what the spirit of God is saying let me just pray with you if you're facing any any type of spirit of depression or suicide or your perspective has just been off and something's been chasing you like Elijah I really believe that story of Elijah that that his his fears chased him into a place of isolation but it actually ended up with God chasing him into his purpose. I I really believe that the things that have been chasing you, the chaos that's been chasing you, the the spirit of fear or or, or division or the spirit of suicide, whatever has been chasing you into isolation, Come on, I know it's been a pandemic that's chased us into isolation, but there's other things that have been chasing you in the midst of isolation. There's things that have been chasing you in your mind, in your heart. Maybe maybe you're just done with it all. Maybe you've given up on God or given up on your purpose or you're, you're fighting depression or anxiety or you don't know what's next or all the things that might be chasing you. They chased Elijah. Fear chased Elijah. And when he met God in that cave, all of a sudden his purpose was reborn. I want to pray for your purpose to be stronger than ever and that every spirit that's been chasing you that's not the spirit of God would have to come off of your life today in a supernatural way. I want to pray for you right now. Come on, just open your heart up to the spirit of God doing something supernatural right now in your heart and in your mind. Father, I thank you so much for the spirit of God. I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit, not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of chaos, not a spirit of suicide or destruction. I know the enemy's still trying to bring division and destruction, still sending the spirit of fear and the spirit of death and suicide. I rebuke the spirit of death off this planet. I rebuke the spirit of death off believers, the spirit of suicide or shame, the spirit of anxiety. God, any single spirit that's not the spirit of God, I ask you to intersect and intervene right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you've given us power and a sound mind. You've given us clarity. You've given us purpose on this planet. Father, we know that this planet's not our home. Come on, some of you right now, you have so much anxiety because you think this planet is your final destination. You live for everything in the now. You live for everything in today. But God said that we're sojourners. We're pilgrims. We're passing through. He's preparing a better place for us in another destination called heaven. Jesus is the destination once you found Jesus once you've surrendered to Jesus there's no more looking for the then and the there and the where come on right now some of you are so depressed or so fearful because you think this is all there is you're worried that you're not going to make it through this or you're fearful and the enemy's just been whispering you into isolation further and further and further I pray for supernatural family today Come on, if you need prayer for this, if you need if you feel isolated, you've been battling suicide or depression or those things, would you just type in the chat box right now? I need prayer. Just type it in. Pray for me. I need prayer. We're here, our team's here. We want to put up a link for you that you could follow and we'd get you some material. We would would get somebody to call you if you'd like. We'd love to pray with you and just believe and minister to you the Spirit of God and believe for life and blessing. The, The Bible says you shall live and not die and proclaim the works of God. I declare that for your life today. You shall live and not die and declare the works of God in this planet. God is not, I just heard this in my spirit. God is not done with you. God is not finished with your story. God is not done scripting your story. Come on. Come on. Your story is going to bring Him glory. I know you think that your story doesn't matter. Somebody's listening right now. You think your story doesn't matter. You think what you've been through doesn't matter. But your story is actually designed with all of the ups and downs to bring God glory. If you would give your heart and your life and your mind to God today, He can actually get glory. In isolation, He can actually bring you into purpose today. I pray for a supernatural intersection of your life today with with the living God this morning and if you're listening today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ if you've never said yes to Jesus that's the greatest thing you could ever do that's the the greatest weapon you could ever have that's the greatest life you could ever live just saying yes to Jesus Christ not not to be even a better person God didn't die to make you good he died to make you alive and some of you are listening right now and you know you're not living the God kind of life you know you don't have life on the inside Jesus Christ went to a cross took all of your sin your shame your guilt nailed it to a tree was crucified was buried and rose from the dead on the third day to give you brand new life to actually remove a heart of stone the Bible says and to put the the life of God on the inside of you if you're listening today and you need a fresh start in God we call it a fresh start all you have to do is surrender to Jesus it's not denomination it's not religion it's not rules it's not commandments it's not all the things that you try to do to be better you can't be better only God is better all you can do is surrender to Jesus who is God if you're listening today and you need a fresh start second Corinthians five seventeen says anybody that says yes to Jesus gets a fresh start in God if you need that right now please just type in the chat box as well I need a fresh start Right now you can type it in, I need a fresh start. We've got a free resource for you. We're gonna send you a link. We'd love to pray with you. Just type in, I need a fresh start with God. I'm gonna pray with you if you type that in. Just open your heart up. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus was God and is God, and you confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. There's no magic in the words. It's just what your heart believes. It's a heart of surrender to Jesus as God. Would you open your heart up and pray with me right now? You can pray these words or you can pray your own words, but just just open your life and your heart up to God and pray with me right now. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we surrender to you as God. We believe that you died on that cross, that you took all my sin and all my shame and all my guilt. Lord, I repent of those things, and I turn to you today. I believe that you rose from the dead, not to make me good, but to make me alive. And you would put your spirit in me, oh God, and you would make me a new creation. You would give me a fresh start today, God. I receive your life, and I will serve you with my life the rest of my days. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God praise in this place and right there in your living room. Man, I'm so proud of you for saying yes to Jesus and making a fresh start like that. If you're still doing that, come on, type in. I need prayer or fresh start in our chat box. Someone will get to you right away. Be looking for all the information online. Come on, continue to be Transformation Church in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood, in our community. You are making a difference and your story matters. In Jesus' name, have an amazing week. We'll see you next week online and in person on June 14th. Love you so much.